Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Over the Bar podcast, your home for all things U.S. soccer. U.S. soccer home in which we uh, have some conversations, just two friends talking U.S. soccer over a couple beers. As always, I'm your host, Noah. I have Sumeru here with me today. We're here for the first episode of our weekend roundup. Um, what we're going to do here in this episode is kind of just break down the USMNT happenings over the weekend, some player performances, highlight a couple guys, highlight some big news, keep it real casual. And uh, yeah, Sumer, how are we doing today, mate? We're doing fantastic. All right. You know, want to say I'm glad to be back and I just want to give a quick birthday shout out to, you know, don't, don't everyone. I hope everyone already sent their, you know, well wishes to Tyler Adams, a big 23rd birthday this today. So uh, happy Valentine's Day to him and birthday. Whew. Happy His girlfriend's VA. in for it. And birthday. That's a, that's a lot of presents to give at, at, on, on one day. That's a Not lot. Not only that, you, he was already you, gifted a present. That? He was already gifted a present. Did you see his uh, his EA Sports FIFA Future Stars card? Okay, he was, so gifted, FIFA, a, yeah, he was yeah. gifted a present by FIFA. They know. They had to give it yeah. to him for his birthday. I just wanted to start it off by saying happy birthday, Tyler Adams. You are a great soul. And... um. I love what you do for the U.S. and the national team. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Love you, Ty. Quick note on Ty, actually. It's, Sumer, this is a bit of an off-topic thing, but I love that you brought up Tyler. Is Tyler Adams your captain for the U.S. men's national soccer team? Um, I think I think so. I, I think it in the future, for the long haul, for sure. Um, you know, I don't I, I Yes. Yes. I think he's, um, I think he is of deserving of captaincy and should be our captain. Um, I can see it sometimes potentially. I mean, like I, I would have said a year ago that potentially I could be okay with, you know, if Aaron Long was healthy captaining us or, uh, you know, I don't know. There are some other players I would consider, but right now probably yes. I don't want to see Christian. I don't, I'd prefer Tyler over Christian, which we've seen Christian. Yeah, uh, I just think Tyler Adams is such a class act on the field, you know, on and off field. That I, I think he just is, he embodies everything great. I don't know if you saw his uh, recent, he gave a breakdown of kind of what he sees his position as. I forget who he gave that interview with, but it was just like, wow, this, this, this kid has a lot of intelligence, both in a oh, football yeah. sense and, and, you know, on and off the pitch. He's just an absolute class act. So shout out to Tyler. Happy birthday, man. Maybe we'll get you on the podcast one day. Could you imagine? Yes. Tyler, Tyler I just expressed my love. Your return must be appearance on Over the Bar podcast. Absolutely. Have a beer with us, Ty. Um, good weekend for soccer. Great week- weekend for soccer in general. Good weekend for American soccer. A lot of Americans abroad at the moment. Obviously, the only soccer going on for Americans would be Americans abroad. The MLS has not started yet. So, decent weekend for Americans abroad. Bunch of guys playing. Bunch of guys on the score sheet. How do you feel about it? Um, I want to correct you right there. The uh, CONCACAF Nations League does start tonight, True. and this is a very big deal. So you are there correct. are some MLS, pl- MLS players coming back. But for but this yes, past no. weekend, yes. For this past weekend, you know, it's a big European weekend, uh, obviously. Love to see that we're back into the flow of things. Um, you know, a little disappointed, obviously, that like, you know, February doesn't have uh, a camp, you know, a roster and a window. Mm. But it's nice to just get some some rhythm some rhythm in, in, in this, in this form champions league coming back. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Oh, definitely. Did you get a chance to watch many of the boys play this weekend? Oh so yeah. Busy Super got, Bowl weekend and everything, but uh, busy Super Bowl weekend and, you know, tough with, uh, you know, having company over, but um, no. Yeah. I saw, you know, started off with, on Friday with um, oh, not seeing Tyler Adams, you know, Leipzig did not do him a, a little birthday shadow of nah. uh, playing him on Friday, but um, I know Luca played. In their, yep. you know, in their one nothing win versus Utrecht, um, you know, you know, consistently playing. I don't know if it was his best game. Uh, you know, reports I didn't watch the whole game, but reports I was seeing were saying it wasn't his, his strongest game. They were playing a little bit of, uh, you know, they didn't have the ball much, right? And so right. when he was, a, but um, but he was one player I saw play on Friday. Uh, what about you? One player I saw play on Friday. I didn't actually get a chance to watch much on Friday. Most of my most of my watching was done on uh, on Saturday and Sunday, but. I did hear that Luca had a decent game. You know what I heard? Luca had a very good game at, which is something we haven't necessarily, well, we haven't really seen him do much in a USMNT shirt, but was something that he's not necessarily renowned for. He had a very good defensive game, I heard. He had a, a, a great number of defensive tackles won, um, especially you know on the, on the defensive transition, which I think is sometimes an underrated side of his game that I'm glad to see him 
kind of developing a little bit more and and getting a chance to show. I mean, I thought he showed good defensive qualities against Honduras. You know, his his oh, work yeah. rate, his work rate was uh was really strong, and that can you know be a huge factor in you know defensive qualities for sure. I thought he was pressing. I thought he was you know anticipating. I mean, obviously he was Honduras, but in that game where you know he was on the spotlight, he was showing some defensive qualities and IQ of reading the game and uh, you know tackling at different points and whatnot. So uh, could easily see him be a player who continues to have strong defensive qualities because of, you know, his work rate. And how can, how can Greg not appreciate that? Come on. I want to talk oh, to I know. And, and I'm, I'm glad he, I'm glad, I'm glad it seems like Greg is starting to appreciate it a little bit more. Um, I think Luca could considers to be helpful in a situation where, you know, maybe the U S needs somebody to help defend a little bit more on the transition. U S tend to get caught out in defensive transitions quite often. And I don't know for, for the bits and pieces that I saw about game for Luca, both the Honduras game and this game against the uh, Utrecht, Utrecht, Utrecht. I don't even know. My Dutch is poor. Um, he seemed to defend well on, in transition. Yes, and I want to say two things. One, very happy to see Luca play. Um, two, I thought maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm going crazy, but didn't Taylor Booth post a photo of him signing with FC Utrecht uh, a week or two ago? Um, I'm just confused as to Ooh. why. Damn. Why, why that ha- he literally posted an Instagram photo of him signing, but like when you check when I checked transfer market, um, it didn't necessarily show it. Yeah, if you go, he's still on, yeah, if you go, yeah, he's still allegedly on, on Bayern Munich. But January 30th, he posted on Instagram, I'm happy to announce that, announce that I have signed with FC Utrecht. I'm looking forward to the next chapter in my career and cannot wait to get started. I want to thank my family, agents, teammates, and coaches for helping me supporting get on the side and then some freaking Dutch saying, I don't know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, after that, but he literally says here, I've moved. So I'm, he's, I don't know where he's at. Is, he, is. is the plane plane not landed yet? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's just stuck up in the air. Maybe because, it was one of those, you know, we, we hear about it. It was one of those missing flights though. So I, I actually oh, no. don't know what happened with Taylor Booth. Um, if someone can find that out, where's Taylor Booth? I'm, I'm, Taylor I love him. Booth? I love him and his brother, Zach Booth, Lester, Lester city incoming legend. But, um, and then another Friday person, the second thing I wanted to say was can't forget, you know, Brendan Aronson's uh, play with yes. Salzburg. Got a nice I did goal. see that. Look, again, again, looks looks good. I mean, you know, consistently putting in good shifts with them, getting on the score sheet. Yes, they're a good team, but I want to see you get on the score sheet. You know, right. I want to see, you know, the, these, I want to see you play against, obviously we all know Salzburg, you know, should dominate, uh, you know, the league in Austria. But it's one thing for us to say it, and it's another thing for him to be actually a part of it and causing their, their domination with assists and goals and whatnot. So very nice to see him. It was a very nice shot, too. Ball was cut, you know, crossed in on the ground, and one touch, right foot, near post. It was a great shot. It was a great shot. Um, what I will say, the better part of that play for me, Adiemi, the, uh, the striker for, for, for Salzburg, yeah, feels he like jumped and got out of the way of that. Brandon just oh, put yeah, his laces, I did see that. Brandon put his laces through that ball with no regard for human life. And Adiemi, who was on the floor, managed to like jump up and get out of the way of it. And uh, that, that was that was pretty impressive. But obviously great to see Brandon on the score sheet. Uh, I mean, I we all know how, how I feel about Brandon. Brandon is a, a class act on the pitch. Just brings so much mm-hmm. energy, so much life. And he, with that life, I think can be utilized as, as a guy who can get into the box late, which is exactly what he did on this goal and kind of just cause havoc. I, I don't know. I think that's such a phenomenal quality to have in a player and, and potentially even this Greg Bearhalter system where we love to get crosses into the box. A guy who can come late could, could be a serious problem for opposing mm-hmm. defenses, but. For sure. For sure. I um, mean, obviously we, you know, we don't need to harp on it. We've said it so many times he has not only like the work rate and, uh, you know, and like the dog mentality in him a little bit, as well as some class, you know, he can finish in tidy situations and do certain things. So um, for sure. He's been playing more in the midfield. Team. I've noticed actually, as of late for Salzburg, mm-hmm. is it, there yeah. could be a conversation there about where he, if midfield is a position, you think he can play for the U S uh... because we know if... Greg typically likes to use him as, as a wide forward. Right. Yeah. On the right or the left. Yeah. I don't That's know. tough. I don't know. We have so many players that can have, that could potentially play this, potentially play there. Where do we want to fit them? Right. Um, I could see it only because I think he's, you know, one of his qualities is t- 
turning on the ball and driving at the defense. And I think he mm-hmm. does that from a wing position. And I think if he got on the ball enough, could do that as well. Do I know that I think it would take some him some time to learn uh, the movement of a center attacking mid in terms mm-hmm. of like defensive defensively, you know, right. a little bit. I don't, I don't know how there's a very different defensive tactics from winger to center attacking mid and what passing right. lanes you're blocking off and whatnot. But I yeah. think you could do it. I think. And that could be it. part of it too, though. Right. In that the U S doesn't necessarily play with a straight up attacking midfielder. Rather they play with two box to box midfielders and a holding midfielder. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe it's a question then of, does Brendan fit into this without a true attacking midfielder? Yeah, potentially. But I'll go on to a guy that I wanted to highlight um, this weekend. Kind of a, a jump transition here. But um, I was able to watch the, the, the Fulham Hall City game in the championship. And Anthony Robinson actually really impressed me. Uh, there were a couple things that I th- thought he, he you know, could be better at. And, and there may be the things we've talked about Anthony in the past, but I thought Anthony Robinson had a really solid game and their 1-0 win over, or over Hull City. Uh, did you get a chance to watch that one? I, I did not see uh, his game against Fulham, but, you know, I've been seeing his – they've been playing a lot. Championships have been going crazy right now, right. Uh, the 2022. So I've actually been watching him play a little bit. And, uh, yeah, they're dominating the championship right now. Looks like they're on pace to come back up. And he's playing uh, super well. I mean, it's probably a product of him becoming a dad. As we know, it has an impact. Uh, and usually po- and usually positive, but yeah, he's been flying up and down. He's been a, more of a threat. I want to see more of that with the U S right. He, with Fulham, he's, you know, with the Fulham, he's playing really well right now. He's in, he is, you know, great form. So I'm not saying he's terrible with the U S but, you know, offensively with Fulham, he, he's doing really well. And I want to see that, you know, service and attacking and whatnot with the U S right. I think part of the reason he's doing so well with Fulham and, and this is what I saw him do incredibly well on Saturday. Um, he looked very good on the ball in transition, like quick one twos with central midfielders to get Fulham out of pressure, right? Advancing the ball. He loves that. He wants to go. He wants I, to I run. Think he's great he wants at his it. he wants his legs moving a thousand percent of the time and moving forward. Cause he 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 will go. He he has he's no hesitation to to make that run, to make that out, you know, that overlapping run, whatnot. You know, that's what we want from him. You know, mm. so yeah, for sure. It's always been a trait of his is to just go. Yeah. And he's so technically skillful, right? Where he can play in those tight areas. And, and that's just what impressed me the most with his game against, against Hull City this weekend. Um, I thought his crossing, and this is something I know that, that at least I've criticized Anthony Robson for before, his crossing in that game was admittedly pretty poor. Um, and maybe that's a side of his game that, that certainly needs some work especially in a, a Greg system where he's asked to cross a lot more because in Fulham, mm-hmm. he's not really asked to cross a lot. He's actually kind of used just to combine and then get people in behind. So he's, he's very much a, a backboard of a left of a, of a left back. Do you know if you get what I mean by that? Right. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's taking the pass and distributing it back inside or down the line and then bombing mm-hmm. forward to be that same player higher up the pitch. And he's so good oh, yeah. at that. Crossing sure. the day's goal for me, but. Yeah, so Anthony Robinson, guy, I, I just wanted to highlight as having a very good weekend. Um, and don't forget, you know, his Tim Ream was starting right there next to him. I was okay. going to bring Tim Ream up. And, and right, Tim I, Ream, I know you love yourself a good spooky player. I, I love yourself a good spooky player. And, and maybe you can define what you, what, you, what you think a spooky player is. But for me, Tim Ream is a spooky player. Maybe not so much. We have seen Greg call him up in the past. And this is by no means, you know, saying that, that I want Tim Ream to be called up. Um, but Tim Ream had a very good game, was, was dominant aerially against Hull and distributed very well. He actually was, he had a really, really good game. And, and I think it's important to highlight that even for guys who might not be in the conversation for a, a national team spot, because he is, he is an American after all. And we want to, want to celebrate all those guys. So Tim Ream, another guy, very good game for Fulham. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tim Ream championship is where he just needs to stay. He consistently mm-hmm. plays well there. He, you know, puts in shifts. He's there to help get them up to the prem and then ride the bench and, and play chess. Um, spooky. Uh, that's not all my, if we want to continue down the Fulham line. Okay. And we take a right down Marlon Fossey street. Um, mm. Okay. That's that. I know. And I know we were talking about this. That's spooky. All right. And, you know, if, if you want to maybe highlight what Marlon Fossey did on Saturday, go ahead. I, okay. All right. Marlon Fossey for you is spooky. 
Yeah, Marlon think of Fossey. right down Marlon Fossey Street, you know, and Marlon... stay down the Fulham Street. <laughs> Marlon, Marlon Fossey had a spooky goal celebration. That's what I'll say. And by spooky, I mean, I thought he was going to tear his ACL. Uh, he, won up. he won up Anthony Robinson. That was a Fulham attack. That was a, uh, I've seen you. If anyone hasn't seen, he did a nice, I think it was like a, what, a cartwheel into a front flip or something. Cartwheel into it a back flip. I don't know. It hurt my groin watching it. I definitely pulled something watching it. So it was one more, I don't know the term. I'm going to like, it was one more action slash rotation than Anthony Robinson did. And so spooky and one up. I need mm. a celebration off. Between those two. That's what I need. Mm, that's yeah. that's the content we need in this February lack of window. For sure. For sure. I mean, on Saturday, we also saw, you know, Tim Weah get a little cameo for uh, Leo. What he played about, like, looks like 11 yep. minutes. Uh, we Against saw our, our Mariko Jacques. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both he and he uh, also played. Weah came on around the same time. Um, Weah, so that was way I came on for Leo and looked. Uh, he They were. Leo were under the cosh, basically, as soon as Tim Weah came on. I didn't really have too, too much opportunity to, to really get going forward. He came on as like a second striker, actually playing alongside Jonathan David. Um, interesting to see him playing in that role. Usually he's used more as a wide right midfielder, but came on for Andre, the goal scorer, actually, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, to play next to Jonathan David and, and just didn't really have a chance to do too much. But I was impressed with Jao Kini. Nico Jacquini I mean, came on for Montpellier in that same game, and I thought he looked good. Got about 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, one, it's not everything to, to just play in a league, you know, in a top-five league, but it also is something that mm. Giochini is, you know, consist, not consistently, but is getting minutes. You know, he came on for in the 81st minute for their, you know, down one nothing. Who's the, who's the coach bringing on? Ayo, Nico, come on. Um, so I am, I am liking that, you know, I am a, I'm a fan of the situation, uh, and I hope that it continues to lead to promise. Um, you know, both of them came on in that game, another game that had two Americans, um, unfortunately literally taking each other in and out was Busio and Tesserman, uh, Tesman. Um, yep. so Busio, Busio started that game yep. and then, yeah. And then Tanner came in for him, um, in the 55th minute, no Jack DeVries, but, uh, both of them came, both of them played in that game versus Torino. They won two, one. They did. They did. And I mean, both of them playing in kind of those central defensive midfielder roles, obviously not going to put up the flashiest performances in those two games. Um, I thought Busio was very, was very good in that game in terms of distribution, excuse me, Um, which is is sometimes a part of his game that often goes underrated because everybody likes to talk about his quality on the ball, his quick turns. He's essentially press resistant, but I thought his distribution was really good that game. Yeah. I mean, that's his, that's his, uh, his forte. Uh, I mean, yeah, they, they won two, one. It was, it was a big win. He also got a yellow card. You know, mm. we'd love to see that. I mean, that's, love a, that's a, that's a, that's a, a plus mark. Um, he passed 1500 minutes in Syria. Yeah, right. By the what way, what a stat, what a stat for, for a guy who just moved from sporting Kansas city. I felt like, you know, not even to, it literally was the summer. Right? And it was the summer. Yeah. I don't know. It, very rapid transition and you love to see it people a lot of people talked highly of him but he didn't necessarily like produce yeah. outrageous numbers with sporting kansas city for people to be like it wasn't like peppy numbers or or, or you know something like that right, right. like now yes different positions but um yeah i think a I lot mean, of people questioned it too i mean i know i was i mean obviously like i, I was i was somebody who was like john lecabusio is is ready for the next step right but i was not thinking syria personally and I, I kind of did question his move to Serie A, whether he could keep up physically. Gianluca. Gianluca. I know, but okay. I, I understand Gianluca he's got Busio. the name. <laughs> Fair enough. I never should have questioned it. How foolish. No, I just, I, I questioned whether or not he could keep up with like the physicality of the league. And he has just made that position his own this season for Venezia. And, and you'll love to see it. You have to love to see it. Venezia is a spooky team. They've got brilliant like, jerseys, though. You seen those kits? Oh. Their their jerseys are amazing. But like when you start naming some of the players on this team, forget, okay, the Americans. But there is one spooky American, Jack DeVries. Mm. Then you have Ethan Ampadu. Okay, how the hell did Ethan Ampadu, who's still on loan from Chelsea, end up there? How did Nani Nani, Nani yeah. move from Orlando to there? I thought he was. I thought I thought the MLS was a retirement league, guys. What what happened there? Um, and then you have the Kusinac guy who came from Bayern. 
And then the former Manchester United goalkeeper, what's his name? Um, forget, I'm freaking, not Espina. Um, no, Espina Sergio Romero. Sergio oh, yeah, Romero. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what? This team just popped off. But yeah, just weird. Like, you know, they're, they're out of the relegation spot by or zoned by one spot. So that is good. These wins are yeah. important. That's the big 2-1 win versus Torino. So, and a lot um, of that comes that down to, to the play of Gianluca Busio. I mean, he's been so instrumental in that team. And, and yeah, great to see. Yet another good weekend. Um, another guy who I thought had a good weekend, Alex Mendez. Now, Simon, let me ask you a question. How much do you know about Alex Mendez? He's a guy, USMNT guy, who's gone quietly under the radar. But has started to get up, a little bit more publicity lately. He's he's picking up a little bit of heat. I mean, I was a huge fan of him uh, back when we were qualifying for the U twenty World Cup, uh, and he was a part of that part, part of that squad. And then when he played in the U twenty World Cup back in twenty nineteen, um, I was a big fan of his. I was a huge fan of his move to um, where was it Ajax? I thought he would thrive there. If anyone doesn't know, he was at Freiburg. Um, after LA Galaxy, yep, and then went from Freiburg to Ajax, and I thought like, oh, you know, you, you that's a that's a big t- big time team coming to try and get you to develop you, and don't know what happened, but he even went on, you know, I think at least two, one or two, uh, you know, first team tours when they went to like Austria for preseason or something. He was and with never them. got any playing time, never really broke mm-hmm. in, and then and then now all of a sudden signs with uh, what is it, Vizela. Vizella. in the Portuguese league and a league yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's, play, he's playing, he's playing well. decently well for them. And he's, he's, um, you know, finding minutes, finding consistency, finding a team he fits in again. It's all about for me, like, you know, 90% of the players, it's like situation, right? A lot of these players right. are, are, are quality are good. Can they find the right situation with the right coach, with the right, uh, you know, environment and stuff like that. So I'm happy that he's in a spot right now where he's getting some good minutes. Now, Definitely. will he make 2022? It's going to be a huge-ass stretch. I, I don't think so, no. But, I mean, like you said, it's about guys getting minutes. Play. Yeah, and like you said, it's about guys getting minutes at a top level. Um, and, and you know, he, as an attacking midfielder, he hasn't – you would like to see maybe the goals and assists come, which they haven't come yet this season for Vizela. He, he currently has no goals and no assists. But as we know, that's not necessarily the best – way to to mark a player i mean you know who else has no goals and no assists in their league luca della torre and and we we talk about him completely differently i saw, I saw alex mendez get some assists in off a corner but that might have been in a cup match it may have been in a cup match i'm just looking at the uh the main the main portuguese but no portuguese either way it's right not now, a but... lot it's not a lot because right. he's on a team that's 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 towards the bottom of the Portuguese league, fighting to battle every game, probably not on the ball majority of the time in these games right. and having to, you know, be scrappy at times. So, you know, you're not expecting necessarily the, the goal and assist production right. as you would maybe others, but uh, definitely good to see him on. Yeah. And, you know, a lot more people played on Sunday, you know, Eunice Musa started and went 90 for, uh, for Valencia. Unfortunately, I thought he was two, all right. Two, one on loss Sunday. to Alves. I thought he struggled to get on the ball and really struggled to influence a little bit. It was a it was Miaga a, didn't play in that game. Matt Miaga did not play in that game. Um, somebody who I was calling to get called in, if you remember, mm-hmm. in our, our last camp. But yeah, Musa Musa played all right. Um, Wesson played on Sunday. Wesson McKenney against Atalanta and had one of the filthiest yes, national team player right now. Oh, by a mile, dude! And he had one of the filthiest like dribble sequences. I've ever seen in that game. He uh, chopped it back, did a little little jump cut back to his left, did a step over with his left foot, and then nutmegged the defender. Just mm. absolutely left him in the dust. It was disgusting. Mm. He is uh, whatever whatever he's eating at home right now. He needs to stay on that diet. Uh, whatever whatever he's doing right now in any facet of his life, nothing needs to change. No, uh, that's all I'm asking for. No. Um, who else? Who else played well? Anybody else you, you particularly want to highlight? I've got a couple more, but I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you take a I highlight mean, I, real quick. I think you know it's uh, Dest went ninety. You know that's something also to say. Just um, was it their best game? No, I mean Barcelona had to fight back to even draw that game versus Espanyol, who's uh, looking to potentially get relegated. So they're still struggling. They literally are so roller coaster. Like, how do you go from right. beating Atletico Madrid four two to 
struggling to they had to wait off on like a 90 second minute goal from Luke Dijon to tie this game. Yeah, like I don't know. Back in, not the point, but Barcelona's in shambles still. They are. I mean, um, I thought but Dest, Dest was it's a big opportunity for him right now. I think he has basically four guarantee four games. That was the first of four games where he's almost guaranteed to start because Danny Alves got a red card and is ineligible for, I believe, two games against or in, in the Spanish top division. So that was the first game. He'll miss a second game. And then there are two Champions League games that Dest is pretty much guaranteed to start because Danny Alves did not get registered for Barcelona in Europe. So big opportunity for Dest coming up. And, and I mean, as somebody who's been on the outs with Xavi, hasn't really managed to, to, to leave as much of a mark as maybe he did when he first came to Barcelona. I, I would like to see him just, you know, grab these next few games by the scruff of the neck and say, this position's mine. I'm not giving it back. Yeah, I, I, w- I would love to see that from him. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully we do. Um, you know, other I, I, other players that played well or that I want to highlight also Mark McKenzie got a start in uh, the league. It's been a little while for him and he went 90 for, for Genk in their 2 nothing win. Um, yep. He's a player who, you know, clearly has a spot in some, in some to an extent or whatever. With Greg the US certainly likes team. him. Greg certainly yeah. likes him, that I'll say. I personally like him too. I think, you know, I think he has potential, but I, you know, I just want lo- love to see it keep um, building mm-hmm. uh, with Gank. So I'm very happy to see him get back because he gets some playing time and then he doesn't, and then he gets some playing time and then he doesn't. So this little stretch of time before the March window, would love to see him continuously play. I was, you know, whatnot. Also, Cameron Carter Vickers played, but got subbed out for Celtic. But, yep. you know, started that match. I get they won 4 nothing. Um, you know, Eric Palmer Brown did start again for Troy's, but they did lose 5 1. Just kind of going through, you know, who potentially played. He did and look good. What I will say about that game, because uh, I watched a bit of the Troy's game, um, and, and Eric Palmer Brown is somebody who, you know, has been on the outskirts of the, the conversation for, for maybe replacement guys to bring in for the U.S. at center back. Um, and, and what I will say about that game, while they, yes, conceded five goals, um, oftentimes that, that is on the back line. Oftentimes it's not. It depends. Um, from what I saw, there were some positives, obviously negatives in conceding five goals, but the positives I saw from Eric Palmer Brown were he is a phenomenal distributor of the ball. I, I think he's our best passing center back outside of John Brooks, which we can actually get to John Brooks in a second because he had a heck of a game for Wolfsburg. Form? Um, Form? Form, question mark? Oh, yeah. Form, yeah. It uh, clearly only means something when, you know, your name begins with legit Sebastian. Um, (laughs) No, yeah. No, Eric Palmer Brown is, is a phenomenal passer of the ball, and I would like to see him get you know, we're not saying that these guys are locks to start for 2022 or for the World Cup or, you know, that they're necessarily better than the options we've had. But I think what a lot of people are saying, and especially for guys like Eric Palmer Brown, Cameron Carter-Victor is another one that you brought in, that why not give some of these guys a look? That we have so many guys playing at, at high levels consistently. Why not give them a look? I mean, it's hard for him to do that now. Like, I feel like that conversation is almost like kind of gone out the window. Like at this time and point, we have one window left. The odds of him calling in anybody new and trying and having to teach learn system, even almost if they are deserving of it, even if someone mm-hmm. was deserving of it. Right. And then, so what you're then saying is, okay, are we gonna have? Are we gonna be doing something in the summer potentially to see if certain players who we didn't bring in? during World Cup qualifying actually deserve to beat out those players. I just don't see it happening. Like the core group has been decided and like um, basically any, all these guys are just, you know, focus on your club careers, you, you know, and you can't control your national team success and look for 2026. Like, but I think that there are players that we could have potentially given more chances to earlier. Uh, definitely the point, but there's nothing we, I, there's literally Eric Palmer Brown has no chance of being called up to the 2022 World Cup. I mean, the only, the only thing that, like, like I'm saying, right, and, and that I would still potentially call him up, I'm coming from I a standpoint – I'm coming from a standpoint where I would also call in, you know, 30, 32 guys. There's no – again, we'll, we'll say this the same thing we said our, our roster podcast. You know, there's no cap on the amount of guys that you can bring in. 
in this World Cup qualifying due to COVID and everything like that and, you know, how congested the, the qualifying windows are. I, I would have loved to see this whole time Greg consistently bringing in 30, 32 guys because if you have such a golden opportunity to get a look at as many guys as possible, which you've never had in World Cup qualifying before, use it. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying I would bring in Eric Palmer Brown. I, I don't necessarily know that he's ready to start for the U.S. right now. Mm, but yeah, if we have an opportunity to take a look at him, why not? Oh, no, that that argument, you know, I'll jump on. I'll jump on for sure. I was just coming from a viewpoint of like, right, we th- it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but if we jump to the Bundesliga, uh, wasn't it was not an eventful Sunday. But, um, you know, Reina, Reina did not play with Dortmund. Thankfully, that was due to illness. I don't know if you yeah. saw that. Thankfully, that was due to illness, not a reactivation of his injury. So I Both, saw a, yeah. just a, a, a you know tweet out of nowhere saying Reyna's not starting. Or Reyna's not in the matchday squad, dude. And I, I know, bro. My heart dropped. I saw it too. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this cannot be happening. But thank goodness it was just a little bit of a, little, little bit of a sniffle. A little, little hay fever. Yeah. Both, uh, both Hoffenheim boys did not make the cut. Uh, Justin Che and Chris Richards did not make the cut. Che but... played for Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim 2. I did see that. Did he? Um, okay. Yep. He okay. played for Hoffenheim 2. I believe Chris Richards was just left out of the match day squad. Uh, that's mm-hmm. obviously due to, you know, the, the niggling injury that he still has that he picked up against Canada. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a reason Bello he's not played. starting. Bello did play. Yeah. Bello uh, that played was for actually 31 minutes. He actually played decently well, too. Um, yeah, no, he, he looks like he's... Uh, and, you know, or very early on, but looks to, you know, ha- have be deserving of some minutes and and finding his footing in Germany for sure. He's certainly adjusting. And and I mean, you know, the left back is a, is a conversation where we have a lot of guys who are around the same level. I think at the left back position, it's a very deep position, maybe not our highest ceiling position at the moment, but it's a very deep position. There's a lot of guys who, are, who could be in contention for that spot. Yeah, and I especially mean, the backup Anthony, spot. Yeah, and so George Bello, you know, maybe finding his footing in Germany. Who knows? He may, you know, kind of force himself back into that conversation, and and I'm happy if he does. Yeah, I mean, I don't care if he for. I mean, obviously Anthony's, you know, got the C next to his name right now, but there's not to say that there's no challengers for sure. Right. Um, and so for sure, left back is a position that even if we say Anthony's, even if we come to 2022 saying Anthony's the starter. There's no reason that come 2023, someone else couldn't break out and already take that. Um, right, or even so, for a backup spot. I mean, I, I think that backup yeah. left back right now is is tough. Uh, one of those yeah. guys that, that could be in the conversation, Joe Scali, didn't really do much this weekend. Uh, had a short cameo appearance, uh, as did Ricardo Pepe in the game they played against each other. Neither one really had a time to, to do too much. I think Scali got around two minutes. He hasn't been starting as of late, which is slightly concerning but again you have to remember these guys are are very very young and they're gonna gonna jump up the form what did you make of Pepe's performance I thought he had sparks but he's just he plays for a team where they hardly have the ball mm. and Ausberg and he's asked to play he's asked to play so direct and I don't know that that suits his game very much yeah well he's gonna have to learn how to um he you know he came on in the 63rd minute I don't always necessarily think putting uh, him in off the bench with twenty minute, with twenty five minutes left is I want him to find his footing and earn the starting spot soon, uh, more consistently. But I mean, I love to see him. You know, these players are so early on in their Bundesliga careers. Get you know the fact that they're, uh, you know, getting minutes, getting playing time, and you know, Pepe's been there for what? If you count now, what four weeks total? If you, Something you like take that. Take out the take out the international break and probably just found his apartment last week. You know, so um. You know, I'm just happy to see him playing. I don't think he did anything too massive, but, uh, but small take. You know who did do something massive in the Bundesliga this weekend? And we touched on it earlier. John Anthony Brooks. Man of the match performance against Eintracht Frankfurt and a guy that I wanted to highlight so badly coming mm-hmm. into this episode of the podcast because, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you love Brooks. I love Brooks. Both of us were among the many people baffled that he was left off the last World Cup qualifying roster. Mm-hmm. Do you think Greg can ignore him any longer? I don't think that they, uh, whatever is there for him, if not, whatever, 
there's I feel like he has to be a call up. Like, come on, he is de- so too deserving of whatever you got behind the doors. If if there's anything besides form to not call him up, so he 100 percent needs to be there. Yeah, I mean, if you want to argue the form argument, which Greg has made in the past, John Anthony Brooks is our most informed center back by a country mile. I mean, I don't, I can't even think of anybody who really comes close in terms of form right now. The four guys called up last qualifying window. None of them are playing a competitive game right now. Granted, Chris Richards, that's because of injury and Miles and Walker, it's because of offseason. Mm-hmm. Mark McKenzie got his first start in a long time this past weekend. I, there's no one that comes close to me for John Brooks. And, and I don't know he needs to be there and there's no use harping on this point. I know we've said it many times, but I just, he had a great game and, and, and that's, that's really all there is to say about it. He had a phenomenal man of the match performance and, and he, he is like, a center back. Yeah. He's a center back who can really impact the game with his uh, distribution when the, you know, the situation is right now, obviously are there games where, you know, he's limited in that capacity and whatnot, but when he's able to, to, you know, do certain things. He has the ability to, to you know, make a real impact on the center back yeah. and play, you know, allow our offense to play a certain way because we're distributing from the center back position. Um, I wish that there was three Americans in that game. There was, you know, there was a chance for three with Timothy Chandler and Kevin Paredes, but we only got one. So I would have uh, liked to have seen more Americans in that game. And speaking of form, I mean, John Brooks is killing it. And we've said, you know, um, he's, he needs to be in the next, the next, uh, the next camp. But speaking of form and not getting called up, Jordan Peefock again. Right. Jordan Peefock. I mean. Speaking of form and not getting called up. Yeah. What is it? So a goal and an assist again this weekend for young boys in Switzerland. Um, That brings him to, I believe, 19 goals and three assists in 31 appearances. Bro. This season. Tearing it up. I. So, okay. Here's. and, And maybe this is a. A bit of a transition because I think we've kind of gone through most of the players. One big one left to mention in uh, Captain mm-hmm. America himself, but let's talk mm-hmm. about Peefock, right? Because it seems like we go on this cycle with Jordan Peefock where he's scoring a bunch of goals. People are like, Peefock needs to be called in. We watch Peefock play for 90 minutes and go, wow, not a fan. And then, you know, that cycle then repeats itself. What are your thoughts on Jordan Peefock? What does he bring? What does he not bring? Where do you stand? He brings a poaching striker ability, and every team needs a little bit of that. Every team needs a player like that. I think uh, DK has some some aspects of that, but with DK out, then it's even more of a uh, of a you know physical prowess. You know, elite. Just get the ball in the back of the net. I don't care how you do it, type of thing. And mm-hmm. that that's value. That you know. We literally saw it against, uh, yes, are there games where, you know, he's not a, the most consistent player and, you know, whatever. But the Swiss, the Swiss League is, is nothing to necessarily just shit on. And the man knows how to score goals. There's something to say about that. And, mm-hmm. and I would love to see him come into the roster more because when there's uh, a situation that needs for it, I'd much rather have him come on than necessarily Jossie Zardes. Um, I want yeah. more of a prolific goal, not even prolific goal scorer, but just someone who I know, who I can maybe trust to, Put the ball in the back of the net. When the ball's bouncing around in the six, in the eighteen yard box, and we need a goal, and we're crossing the ball ten times against Canada because we're down a goal and just literally hyping the ball in the box. Oh, I'd love if Peefock was there, right? You know. And so maybe that's maybe that's you know I think where we have to put it into perspective that that this is what this guy brings. It could be something similar to a Luca Delatore, right? About expectations. We're not expecting this guy to come in and be a world beater. Because I, I think he's not. I mean, he's 25 playing in the Swiss division. Tearing it up, yes, but there are certainly technical limitations to his game. But I, mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would agree that, you know, if you need a guy to come on and put the ball in the back of the net or be an aerial presence, it's hard to argue against what Jordan Peefock is doing right now. Be an annoyance, be physically imposing, yeah. drag defenders and take the attention of defenders in the box. Like, yeah, yeah, he 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 is a body, bro. He is a body. Yeah. And that's sometimes what you need up top. Just a bully. He's informed. I would, he's definitely informed. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, I know we give Greg a lot of stick for like his form comments. And I think part of the reason we do that is because 
of the inconsistency with which he uses that. There is no argument for me anyway that form is incredibly important when calling somebody to the national team. Form translates, dude. Form translates. And so you've got a guy who's scored like, I don't know, four goals in five games or something like that and an assist, if not more. He's flying. He's flying. Every shot he takes is going to go 10 times harder, a little bit more accurate. Like, it's just the the fact of the game. Uh, So for sure. And and I think, yeah. I, I mean, do I think he's the answer? No. But, yeah. Does, and, does a form call up if he keeps tearing it up? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and speaking of form, we want all of our players to find their form um, and, you know, be at, at a top-notch level when needed. Uh, someone who we, you know, someone who we think may be trying to find their form, maybe found a little bit of it, um, Christian Pulisic in the Club World Cup final, potentially, you know, some would say, uh, on the uh, inner beginning parts of the upward trend in form. I thought he played well versus Palmeiras yeah. coming on in the what 30 something, 31st minute for who was it for? Mount? It's for Mason Mount. Yep. It was an injury substitution for, for Mount. So, you know, talk about, uh, I think, talk about a guy taking an opportunity by the scruff of the neck. You know, we said this about Dest needing to do that. Pulisic did that against Palermas um, or Palmeiras. The, the Brazilian team in the Palmeiras. Club World Cup final, Palmeiras. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. He did that, and, and I thought it was very effective in that game. I know you watched that game from a, a Chelsea standpoint as well as a Pulisic standpoint, but what did you see specifically that Pulisic did well that game? I mean, and now no one, you know, obviously don't take my words out of context and stuff, right? You know, the expectations for him, are, I feel like for myself, are lower just because I've been seeing – low performances from him necessarily. Mm -hmm. So just to see him, he was playing very central at first. At first he was playing in almost like a a 10 role. He was so in the middle of the field, not on the wing um, and was turning on the ball, finding lots of space and, and, you know, being quick on the ball, distributing. Then he shifted more to a left wing back role. And then I think we went to four in the back and he went up top a little bit. Consistently showing his versatility. Mm -hmm. He no, he he played well. He was quick on the ball, like I said. He he showed that burst a little bit back. He just looked, you know, looked, I saw a little glimpse of, of of what I know, and and that's being like I said, quick driving at the defenders, you know, being beating defenders. This is not just driving, dribbling and beating them, uh, making the game dangerous for the opposing team and causing dangerous situations for sure. He, he looked. You know, was it amazing? No, but I saw a few glimpses in there, and I was like, that's that's what I like. I, yeah, I, I like that. That I want to see that again. He looked confident. I think that that that's that's the that's one thing I've looked. He looked confident and and relaxed, which is something that we want to see from Pulisic, and I think it's something that he's been struggling with too. So, it kind of turning more to in, in a nice segue to the, I think probably the biggest general USMNT news of the weekend. The was it an ESPN piece? ESPN FC piece. About Is Christian Pulisic, I believe it was an ESPN I don't know piece. Who it out. Um, let me look it up real quick. But um, yeah, so it was. In any case, talk a little bit about that while I while I pull it up. Yeah, I, I mean, I, as he finds who who released it, uh, Christian did some did an interview and talked about. Um, I mean, it was nice to hear that. I'll say say what he talked about. He kind of talked a little bit about the pressure that he puts himself, uh, the pressure he puts on himself with the U S men's national team or, and that how he has felt um, recently and just in the past of, you know, being the quote unquote captain America. And I mean, we all know it, you know, we all said it, you know, recently is, you know, he definitely has a lot of pressure on him with the media and just being who he is, one of the first pioneers, et cetera, et cetera. And we wanted him to find a way to stop putting that pressure on himself and realizing that lots of the players on our team have class and, um, and that's the day when this team starts to gel and when more players follow that suit. So it was nice to hear him kind of, you know, realize that that may be something that's going on and not being naive to the situation for sure. Um, and hopefully, you know, better things come from this. But yeah, it's a tough situation and we knew it. I mean, I, when I saw him do the U.S. men's national team pregame interview before one of the games in the window, he looked so distraught. You know, he just looked, yeah. he just looked beat. Um, and so 
hopefully, you know, getting some of those, some of this off his chest, um, you know, went to Florida before returning to Chelsea, came back to Chelsea, plays this match and plays well. So hopefully this is all a sign of going forward. But that was a little bit of, of what the interview was, if you want to say some more. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start by saying it, it was an ESPN FC article, um, which is what I thought. So, yeah, you, you pretty much summarized it very well. Um, I think I want to highlight about this article before we kind of talk about this a little bit more is it, Pulisic used specifically the word he, he struggled to save the U.S., right? And he feels like he has, he's put pressure on himself to save the U.S. men's soccer team. Um, and, and I thought that's a very interesting word to use. It's something that we've touched on before in terms of Pulisic feeling as he often needs to do it himself, feeling as though he often has to live up to the expectations and, and really, for me, when you use the word save, as something that you've felt before. It means that you don't necessarily and haven't necessarily had a trust in your teammates. And I know that's something that I brought up last game and, and you at last window and you pushed back on me a little bit about trust. Do you think that has something to do with how he's been feeling now that you've had heard him say this, that that trust is something that he's potentially been struggling with, with his U S teammates? Um, I think it might've been subconscious trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he was necessarily, I mean, I, I, I think there was times, yes, when the, when the team that he was out there with at different times in his career with the men's national team, has he gone out there and potentially said to himself, how much do I trust the guys to my right and left? Mm-hmm. I think maybe. But as of late, I, like, I still push back on the idea that I hope it's, that I believe it's not necessarily him not trusting Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams and Sergio Desk and Anthony Robinson, but it's him trying to take it upon himself to handle the situations on his own and be the Captain America that everyone calls right. and be the Captain America that we saw in the last World Cup qualifying cycle, even though we didn't qualify. Um, he was, you know, the one player, one or of very few that has stuck around. And, you know, from that. And last I cycle. wonder, I wonder, right. I'm glad you brought that up because I wonder if that almost has a lot to do with, with how he's been feeling with the U S hundred percent. Because we forget that, like, Christian Pulisic, while he is the same age as the rest of our golden generation, found the spotlight way before then. He's 23, similar to Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney. But he came onto the scene at at a big way at a much earlier age than they did. And by much earlier, I mean, like, two years or so. Um, Yeah. But... I mean, that's a lot. He went to that qualifying. He had to deal with the, the you know, mental distraction and, and scars and destruction that was Kuva. And not to mention he had a Dortmund team bus bombed when he was still only a teenager, all sure. in the span of a few months. And, like, this kid has been through a lot with the U.S. and, and has had a mantle thrust upon him. And maybe that's not been completely fair by fans, even, even, even ourselves, right? Maybe, maybe it hasn't been fair. Maybe it has been a lot of pressure, but. Pressure is a part of pressure. I mean, there are some factors to the hit to, to this that, you know, are unfortunate that probably led to this, which is, you know, us not qualifying for 2018 and, and him being the very, one of the very first pioneers to blow up over in Europe. So we just touted him as, you know, we have a, you know, a tendency to, you know, rush to, um, fandom for sure, and you know our love what? and whatnot. Are you trying to so, suggest that U.S. Twitter is reactionary? How dare you, Sumer? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, there's no one denying, no one like naive to what what they're seeing, which is you know built up pressure from a variety of different circumstances. But I'm glad to see that maybe he's recognizing this and you know understanding what needs to be fixed. You know and. Um, so that there could actually be a fix. You know, the first thing about fixing the situation is identifying maybe the problem. And I personally think that the problem was um, problem. It doesn't. It's not just gone because it also was a little bit of Chelsea and his playing time with Chelsea and whatnot. Right, the situation right. there. But I just I hope that the pressure necessarily with the U.S. I hope it decreases a little bit, and I hope he's able to um, be with the team and gel more on the field. I think he gels probably off the field with them amazingly, obviously. And, you know, some of those guys are some of his best friends. Um, but on the field, I would love to see them play a little better. Like like that Tim Weah, Weston McKinney combination, right? Have you? I want to see that with Pulisic and somebody. Right. 
And I you think know. he's, and obviously we know he's capable. For the U.S. Seen it with other teams. I want to see that right now with this team oh, for yeah. the U.S. No, uh, maybe no, you've no. done it. Maybe you did it with Clint Dempsey and Matt Beasler back in 2016. I don't care. I want to see it right now with this team. I want to see you gel with these players. We have such an, uh, a, you know, a, a chance to, to change the way the, you know, the U.S. views soccer, the world views soccer. It starts with you and just being a team player. That's it. So, yeah. And it seems like he's turning that corner. And I, I think love, that's, I that's, I'd love it. I, I really do. I think you said it best when you said that you're almost, you're, you're proud of him for being able to, to come out and say this and come out and kind of acknowledge these things. And I, I can't help but agree with that. I mean, I think it's a big step for Christian and, and hopefully this is the first step to turning around both his, his club and country form. Personally, I, I could care less how he does with Chelsea, but I know you do. So, I, and, and like we said about form, form translates. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully this is the start of a turnaround for him. But um, enough of, of that for now. Any other major U.S. news in terms of players or, or uh, U.S. soccer you felt you needed to mention? Josie Altidore signed with the New England Revolution. Huge. Ginormous. Josie Altidore still in your uh, still in your still in your U.S. striker picture. Um, I still follow him on Instagram. So does that so count? Yes, technically, no. So, um, so yes, yeah. Weird, weird signing that. Um, how many years uh, is that? Or no, he's been with Toronto for a bit, but yeah. You know, he was only ever in Europe for like five years. Yeah, it was very quick. Where where he was in La Liga, then he went to Prem and. Uh, he, he bounced around real fast and then got back and he was like, I don't, I don't come back to the U.S. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad you bring up Josie Altidore, though, because so obviously Josie is, is far past his prime with with the U.S. He's but, th- isn't he like 32, bro? That's I mean, I'm not saying I'm not I'm, I'm not saying his quality is his. I'm not saying he, he has the necessary form quality to play, but it's just crazy that he is 32 years old and, you know, he's completely yeah. gone. I mean, we uh, know you, how much he struggled with injury, though. Zardis is 30. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm not saying he's deserving of it, of anything. I'm just no, saying, I'm saying like, maybe that's a, maybe the guy is 32. And maybe that's yeah, an explanation even... for it, I think is what I was getting at. Is that like why he's already so far gone at 32 is because of injury, potentially. I mean, Josie Altador, there was a player in there at one point. Maybe yeah, not to, that's the, why to he the quality lost we his, now, but. That's why he, you know, that's definitely a reason why he came back to the MLS at an earlier you know, point was because, you know, of injuries and whatnot. I'm just saying, like, there's many right. 32-year-olds out there in the world that can still that still play very right. high high levels of their sport. Right. Um, so that was just one thing. But any other play, were there any players that you, you you wanted to talk about that played um, at all? I know Josh Sargent played. You know, just kind of rounding the thing. I know he I know he started. I know James Sands went ninety. Yep. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Sargent Sargent came off in the eighty seventh. So you know, obviously they lost like crazy against Man City, and I was half watching that game. Um, he had bit. some good movement, I will say, in the in the first half. I Norwich Norwich had, and I say specifically in the first half because Norwich were in the game against Man City for about twenty minutes and created a couple chances. Um, Sergeant himself had a half chance on a header, was really reaching for the header, did as best he could, but ball was just a bit too high. Um, but his movement was very good and his energy levels were very good. Something that I know we've, we've never questioned about Josh Sargent, but mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I think he's going to be good with Norwich maybe next season, next season, if, if Norwich get relegated and go down mm-hmm. to the championship, I think Josh Sargent will do well to stay there mm-hmm. and really just get some form back. Yeah. We've seen that uh, playing I- in the championship isn't the worst thing such as like with an Antine Robinson in the championship, there's no slouch of the league itself. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind Josh Sargent staying down there and just getting some confidence back. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we all know that that will probably come from some championship time. Oh yeah, probably. But um, no, I think that's about it for, for the weekend roundup. I, I don't really have too, too much left. Um, if you have any last things to say, Sumer, for, feel free to, for to jump in here, but um, quick look forward to our next episode. So with these weekly roundups, we are probably going to get on about a weekly schedule, trying to release every Tuesday. Um, and next week with the beginning of the MLS season, we are going to be kind of doing a weekend roundup focused specifically on MLS players. Was that the plan? You know, we'll do a little bit of weekend roundup, but you know, gearing our gearing attention up. towards the start of the MLS season 
we'll be highlighting, you know, some, some young prospects that we potentially could see, you know, big stock rises this year. Um, and, you know, we'd love to see, you know, moves next winter or whatever, because as, as much as there's a world cup, you know, the soccer world in terms of, you know, business and team signing, that doesn't stop. Keeps um, so, on trucking. So, you know, nothing stops for the world. I mean, players will still be moving, transfers will still be happening uh, and whatnot. So a little bit of uh, some attention towards the MLS season. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait for it. And uh, hopefully we see a, another good weekend of, you know, USMNT performances coming up next weekend. I think a lot of guys to look forward to. One of the best things about U.S. soccer right now is the amount of guys we've got playing at a high level. So always people to watch out for. Always yeah, folks to keep an eye on. For sure. I just want to finish this off uh, really fast with, you know, can we, one of each one of us give once one of our highlight shout outs to the, you know, some spooky players. The spookiest and players. I, I don't want to forget about this. This is something I want to have a part of each podcast. Um, you can go first. Go, go ahead with your, you know what, actually, you know, actually, Samara, I'll let you go first because I want, I want you to, to define it. And I know this is a tough term to define. Define for our dear viewers, what do you mean by a spooky player? Because we've brought this up on multiple occasions. What is a spooky player to you? Spooky is, uh, there's no one definition. It's very fluid, okay? And it can have a specific meaning to different people. You think Tim Ream is spooky. I don't think Tim, Tim Ream is spooky. But spooky is should be a person who um, carries a little bit of, what's the word, uh, unpredictability and you know something not normal and just you know provides also a little bit of, of excitement so okay. okay you know i think it's someone... more like yeah i like that because when you say spooky player to me i think the first thing i think of a spooky player is somebody where you tell me the name and the first thing out of my mouth is whoa that's it's a that player. it's that it's it, it is that is a big part of it like that's that is a big part of it spookiness and either spookiness with what they're doing, spookiness with what they've been doing or how they've been playing or just who they are. There's, you know, you could be spooky in many factors. Um, and, you know, like one person I'll say is spooky here, you know, making some spooky moves, doing some spooky things is Sebastian Soto. Mm. Okay. So uh, if anyone doesn't, doesn't know, obviously he, you know, has been with the U.S. Uh, youth national teams for a little bit. Was that with Hanover in the Bundesliga? Then signed, um, did he go straight to Norwich? Did Norwich, uh, yeah, so he signed with Norwich and Norwich then loaned him to the second division in uh, Netherlands. Played there, you know, played well, got played some well. goals. Yeah. You know, I thought he, you know, was coming back with some potential, not, not, not necessarily Norwich because they went to Prem, but maybe kind of could have gotten loaned to the championship again or uh, League One, but instead was loaned to Porto B for the entire 2021 fall which is, I you know, interesting. And he's recalled in January, and I don't know if anyone's seen, but he did just make a, another loan move to Livingston FC in the Scottish Premiership. And, uh, yeah, so he's my, uh, my spooky player spooky. of the week, Sebastian spooky. Soto. And, you know, he's making some spooky moves over there. All right, spooky. I'm not going to lie. You know what? I'm going to stick to the Scottish Prem for, our, for my spooky player. Uh, spooky player that I want to highlight this weekend. Christian Ramirez. That's a name you haven't heard in quite a while. Christian Ramirez, uh, kind of on the scene back in the early 2010s, is now 30 years old, I believe, and is just casually playing in the Scottish Championship for Aberdeen. 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 I, big fan of Aberdeen. Big fan of Christian Ramirez. Because he scored goals. He scored goals, and I believe back-to-back games now. Either that or it's two and three. Outside, uh, outside shot for the U.S. national team? Huh? Maybe. I, 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 Maybe. I just want to say, I just want to say Livingston sits in eighth place with 30 points, and Aberdeen sits in ninth with 29 points. So Sebastian Soto's coming into a, uh, a one-point lead on the Christian Ramirez trip. Mm, okay. Mm. But is he one point spookier? <laughs> Send us, guys. Send us your spooky players. Uh, we would love to hear it. Send us, send us your spooky players on Twitter. Um, for those of you who don't know, we have a Twitter. We have a Twitter. It's at OTB underscore pod official on Twitter. Send us your spooky players. 
please DM us. We want to know what you guys, not only what you guys want from this podcast and everything like that, but specifically, we want to know your spooky players. So um, with that, Sumer, I will give it to you for the outro. Bring us home. Yes. We'll always love ending with a little bit of spookiness. Everybody, appreciate you listening. And uh, as always, we will catch you next week for our little MLS preview. Peace out, everybody. Thank you.